okay? Look at somebody and say, are you praying daily? No, I'm meditating the WhatsApp Bible verse that comes in the morning. If that is how your spiritual life is, then you need help. Right? You can't be running your life on WhatsApp, Bible verse, um, YouTube shorts. Uh-huh. Uh, have you listened to motivational videos, videos on YouTube shorts? Denzel Washington motivating you for two minutes. Have you ever seen anyone become a millionaire listening to shorts? <laughs> no. It won't work that way. Mm? I, I mean, if you see gym, gym videos, shots, you can keep seeing, but your shots won't fit you. <laughs> if you keep seeing shots, you know, you need to engage in a more serious manner. See, we preach for one, one and a half hours, and then we go and check the YouTube analytics. It says average viewing duration, 12 minutes. <laughs> huh? Averaging viewing duration, 12 minutes. 12 minutes is what, on an average, people engage with our content. Only a minority, very, very, very minuscule percentage engage one and a half hours. All the 12 minute people say Amen. Hey. <laughs> uh, so, see, whenever I counsel a couple and I ask them, hey, are you spending time with each other? And the guy says, the last three years after Corona, work from home, I'm only spending time with her. See, I'm not saying, I'm asking them. In fact, when you were working, probably you would have spent some time with her. After Corona, you were staying at home, you didn't spend any time with her. Just because you live under the same roof, that doesn't mean that you are spending time with someone. Yeah? Spending time. So I asked them, um, so when was the last time you took her out for a dinner? And he goes like, no. Once in a while, we take all of us, mom, dad, everyone out. I said, no, I'm talking about when did you take her out? Then only he'll turn and look at her as if, oh, there is a being here. And she will be usually with tears, right? Um, when did you really ask to your wife about her needs and how to meet her needs and... How do you know what matters to her and what things are important to her? These things don't happen unless you take time to sit in, talk. So there are certain needs that God has and he is willing to share this with people, only with people who is going to take time to sit with them. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can be like 
a person who is coming to him like how you come to a ration shop and stand in the line and get your stuff and go when was the last time the ration kadai guy told his story to you <laughs> shared his heart with you you come you show the bag you get your rice you get your sugar and keep going that's how many of our prayer time is it is very transactional but i'm talking about taking time to know the person taking time to hear the whispers to hear the heart beat of the father you know uh, such things are so essential because god wants to release certain things through such people partnering with him in prayer this morning i took the mobile phone and it said update not possible because it was not connected to power source i felt like slap got a slap on my face update not upgrade not possible because device not connected to the power source look at somebody look at above their head come on look above their head looks like 20 years you haven't upgraded anything in your spiritual life hmm apple has released the upgrade 7 years ago but you haven't upgraded your phone because every night it is not connected to the power source so even though the company has released you have not been upgraded personally because you were not connected to the power source so even though heaven has released so many upgrades these 2000 years of new covenant and kingdom the church hasn't upgraded itself because the church is not connected to the power source in prayer so only when the church makes intentional effort to connect in prayer then the upgrades whatever is released we can appropriate it and make it our own it is look at somebody slap somebody and say it's it's time to upgrade it's time to upgrade your spiritual life can you tell me when was the last time you upgraded spiritually you can tell oh after this thing my spiritual life went to this dimension after this thing my spiritual life went into this dimension you need to have spiritual upgrades so these seasons of prayer really prepare you and the meetings like the three days fasting prayer can be the place where you go through that shift so that's why i'm saying take these things seriously you know uh work on your prayer life um see there are three words i want to talk about one is the word ritual the other word is routine and the other word is tradition what ritual routine tradition for example every morning you get up and you brush your teeth it is a morning ritual it's a morning ritual you know when you do things certain things ritualistically it has certain levels of benefit but gym cannot be a ritual gym has to be a routine there is some level of intentionality that you are putting you're protecting you have to protect the gym time you have to protect you going to the gym there has to be no to certain things for you to protect that time rituals are not like that you just brush so some of our prayer lives are very ritualistic when you get up in the morning like that you sit 
ിറ്റിഷനാലിറ്റി Are you guys following what I am saying? Jesus had a routine. As it was his routine. Thamudu valakkathin badiye. As it was customary for Jesus to go. The Bible says. So that it is important to have good routines. Right? Spiritual routines. spiritual disciplines or whatever you call it but you do it because of a bigger yes when you're going to gym you know there is a bigger yes there is a bigger goal there is something that you're valuing that's why you you can protect it when when going gets hard you know you you know you it is paining here it is paining there but you are pushing things through because of the bigger yes so when it comes to the life of prayer as well there is a point where you're like ah i don't think it's working ah, i don't see anything coming up you know uh, rather than taking 500 pushups one day take five pushups 500 days right rather than taking if you take 500 pushups one day what what happens you're like what will right uh, but if you take five pushups for 500 days then you are strengthened so when you hear about prayer you want to go and read the whole bible in one day so and and don't read whole bible in one day no 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 you know i want to pray whole day i prayed then after that when did you pray adukapra or 3 varshama don't be don't be like that uh, start with 15 minutes if you don't have any prayer practice start with 15 minutes or whatever time you are doing add add and keep increasing it but do it daily do it daily look at somebody and say do it daily if you don't do it daily god will scoop your eyes off that is religion no 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 if you do it daily you are invited to realms to operate in upgrades you can become certain things that's what i want to talk about today um it's a huge topic i don't have time to really you know go into depths of these things so i'm going to quickly mention certain things probably during the fasting prayer time we can deal with these things in depth um in bible college things are taught in a thing called systematic theology what do they mean by systematic theology is topic wise they'll take the topic of salvation define salvation give a definition and then give you 10 verses then take the topic of righteousness define righteousness and then give you 10 verses for it god has not given bible in a systematic theology way for us you can't open and say 
okay sin this is the definition righteousness this is the definition that's not how it is the bible god has given us in a form of narrative a story is more powerful than raw facts right that's why when you watch a movie it impacts you more than the science book right uh, because a story has a power to reach uh, the depths of our being and the images and pictures and, and all those things uh, are very powerful and when you see like that there are many things in the old testament that has that is appointed to christ come on tell me the what is the major image in the old testament the prominent image hmm prominent image what is it ark ark of the covenant sacrifice what else temple right all these things are repeated imagery patterns in the old testament and when it when you come the new testament authors make that connection to christ i want you to know that the new testament authors don't only make the connection to christ they also make the connection whatever they point to christ they also point it to the believers as well because of our union with christ for example christ is the high priest and then the bible says you are the kingdom of royal priesthood okay and christ says i am the light of the world and then he looks at you and says you are the light of the world so so many things are like that for example temple right and then it says you are the temple of god so all these things point whatever points to christ has a another pointer which is pointing to us as well because of our union with him so with regard to prayer there is a particular image that is running throughout the scriptures that is the picture of altar say the word altar say that again yeah say it one more time altar is a very powerful uh study that you need to do in scripture because right from genesis you see the altar coming again and again and again the first time the mention of altar is when noah built uh, an altar and sacrificed uh but before that it is assumed that some kind of altars was built by cain and abel and the first war was between which altar got accepted and which altar got rejected and that's where the first murder happens over an altar and then even though altar is not specifically mentioned there in that it is implied uh and then noah builds an altar then abraham builds the altar if you come to chapter 12 verse 7 and 8 it says then the lord appeared to abraham and said to your descendants i will give this land and there he built an altar to the lord who had appeared to him verse 8 and he moved from there to the mountain east of bethel and he pitched his tent with bethel on the west and i on the east and there he built an altar to the lord and called on the name of the lord so this is the altar that abraham is building and when god gives him a promise saying hey this land i'm going to give you to you and your descendants the moment that word came abraham builds an altar the moment the altar is built it becomes a spiritual authority in that place 
that land was protected by that altar for generations you should understand that i'll tell you how so here in bethel abraham is building the altar then isaac also comes and builds an altar abraham built four altars okay one is in bethel and then abraham is dead and gone isaac is super old right now is about to die and jacob comes and cheats the father of the blessings and he is running on the way while he is running he is getting tired midway and he just sleeps and while he is sleeping he is pulling a stone and he is sleeping <gasps> and he sees heavens opened and angels ascending and descending in that space and and god appears in that vision and says i am the god of abraham and isaac this place i will bring you back to this place but i will not just bring you back i'll bring you back with full blessings and he gets up and says oh my goodness truly god is in this place i call this place bethel so the place where abraham built an altar has become a spiritual portal for how many generations for how many generations after how many years jacob is coming there and he is lying down there and it is an open heaven in that space because of that altar say altar is a spiritual portal say that again altar is a spiritual portal see this is not only true for the kingdom of light this is true for kingdom of darkness as well that's why all religions practices altar and sacrifices because whenever an altar is raised that is kind of a legal entity of portal for the demons or for the heavenly kingdom to operate that's why whenever it comes to the kings certain kings the bible mentions this king destroyed the altars of the idols but some other kings it says this king did not destroy the altars it it was such a what was the first thing that gideon did destroyed the altars of baal so destroying the ancient altars and raising the altar for yahweh was such a predominant thing in the old testament narrative and not only that um, um the fourth altar that abraham built was in the place called moriah yeah that's where he built an altar to sacrifice his son do you know that is the same mountain in which jesus was sacrificed you know years later father sacrificing his son was because already god told abraham go and sacrifice your son in the mountain that i show you build an altar where i am showing you to build so wherever altars was raised it became a spiritual portal for years for generations see why see even elijah when he wanted to be taken up you know he goes from one place to other one place to the other one place to the other he even though god can pick up elijah at any place god wanted elijah to be in a particular place to be taken up even though god could have lifted jesus from any place jesus goes to a particular mountain to be taken up 
So these are the places of portals, you know, of spiritual dimensions and access. Uh, I, um, when plague was destroying things, David raises an altar and the plague stops. I can go on and on and on about all these things, but I want you to understand, altar is a place of divine openings, divine portals. And when it came to Exodus, God said, hey, when you're building, in, in Leviticus he says, uh, when you're building an altar of the stone, it should not be cut by human instrument. The stones that you build should not be cut by human instrument. So the altar that we build cannot be of human effort. It cannot be of human effort. The altar that we build, look at some, see the altar that we build? It cannot be of human instrument. It cannot be of human effort. And then there are three altars in the tabernacle. The outer altar is the bronze altar where the sacrifice happens. That is on the outer courtroom. And then in the holies, there is this golden altar of incense where the, high, the priests are supposed to come and keep the fire burning at the altar of incense. Bronze altar of sacrifice, golden altar of incense, and then the third altar is the mercy seat itself, which, which is in the Holy of Holies. Come with me to Revelation chapter uh, 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Yeah. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. That's three. And then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. So th this altar is, where is this altar? No, where is this altar? Huh, in heavenly realms, in heavenly, in heavenly realms, there is this altar. There is, there is altar in the heavenly realms because the things that are asked to do in the Old Testament was done, was asked to done after the copy of the original, right? So, stood at the altar and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So the throne is the mercy seat. Right? The throne is the mercy seat. That's the third altar in the Holy of Holies. Altar and throne is connected. The seat of power is connected to the altar of prayer. The seat of power and authority is very much connected to the altar of prayer. So when you are building an altar, you are building a seat of power and authority. You are building a seat of power and authority. Legal seat you are giving for certain realms to access. 
And here it says that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Next verse says, And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands. Look at somebody and say, how is your incense coming up? There is no incense coming up from some of you. There is nothing arising. Guess what happens? Uh, then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar. Already he has mixed the incense with the prayers of the saints. Now he's taking from fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. See how your prayer comes back to earth with the fire of God. So when your prayer rises as incense in the presence of God, God mixes it with the fire and pours it back onto the earth to bring about changes. That is how prayers, priesthood prayers, these are priesthood prayers. See, I'm not talking about you having, you know, what do you say, uh, ration shop petition prayers. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about high priestly prayers. I'm talking about prayers from the heavenly realm. The church is supposed to upgrade itself to engage in certain activities to shift certain things around on this earth permanently. And that will not happen unless the new covenant church engages in a certain priesthood prayers. Isaiah 6 says, you know, on the day, on the year King Uzziah died, yeah, uh, was one onwards. Isaiah 6, one onwards. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Okay, there you see the throne. Go next. Above it stood Seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered the feet, and with two he flew. Okay? And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Mm. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Again, you see the smoke, the incense. Okay? And so I, so I said, Isaiah is saying right now, Oh, is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Mm. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Okay? And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Mm. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah the prophet, before he was divinely sent by God to give crazy prophetic words, the encounter that he had was with the altar. It was a touch from the altar that positioned him to prophesy great prophecies. 
he was feeling so disqualified he was saying man i am a man of unclean lips i live among unclean people but when the coal from the altar touched him he said here am i send me so the touch from the altar the live coal from the altar qualifies the unqualified wherever you are feeling you are not worthy enough when you go and stand before the altar of prayer the fire from the altar will touch you and you would say here am i and the same unclean mouth becomes the divine portal of divine decree are you following what i am saying it looks like all of you guys are like i came for a sunday service <laughs> but i want you guys to take things very seriously the demonic has to be broken in the lives of people unfortunately the so called intercessory prayer and all these things have become too much conscious about the demonic and they kind of exalt the demons and the work of the enemy not understanding it is nothing compared to the altar that you can build in the name of the lord the altar that you build in the name of the lord will bring down every altar that has been raised in your name against you see you are going but you are you know you are hitting a roadblock and you are not able to go beyond because there are portals there are dimensions at every dimension there are things that's why i have named the uh 3 day fasting prayer as dominion because there there is certain level of dominion that you need to access to pass certain atmosphere see the earth is like this right and there is an atmosphere around it and for the rocket to go beyond that there is a particular point when it comes to the edge of that i forgot the exact name what is it called yeah sonic boom you know where then after that the 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 power of gravity is really less when you have crossed that threshold right but when you cross that threshold that's where most rockets break the metal is not able to take so much of pressure as long as it is running within the field of gravity it allows you but when you want to break free from gravity and go beyond there is a certain level of spiritual pressure there the church needs to press in and break free of that pressure and have certain access to the realms see we are thinking people are ruling our countries because of political power no most countries are ruled because of spiritual powers including ours 
these guys know how to raise altars. Before every election, they raise so many altars. So, you, anything you talk about seven mountains or anything, if you want to go up the mountain and have influence in any mountain for that matter, you need to have certain level of spiritual dimension, spiritual edge to you. Daniel did not go up the corporate ladder because of his skill alone. Joseph did not go up the corporate ladder because Pharaoh is a very spiritual guy. Moses throw the stick and he's like, ah, big deal. He calls his people and throw the stick me. So Pharaoh was very supernatural. He was exposed to supernatural in the occultic way. So he was able to rule a world of his time because not only of his skill as a king, but because of the occultic altars that he is engaging with. So Moses had to raise an altar. Moses raised an altar before meeting Pharaoh. So he goes and challenges. So when we are talking about promotion to a point where we can transform a nation, we as a church community, if we have to really step up our spiritual game, we need to understand these things. For years, I did not want to teach on all these things because unless you know about God and how He is on your side, when we ta start teaching you on these things, you get scared and your awareness of devil becomes big. But it's, I am assuming now you know the Father. <laughs> right? And you look at God like, like that and devil like, devil. See, um, come with me to 1 Kings 18 and see how Elijah was repairing the altar before the fire came down. Verse 30, then Elijah said to people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he, come on everyone, open your mouth and read that. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Before fire could come, you need to pre repair the altar. Before fire could come, you need to? Repair the altar. How did he do it? And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. Yeah. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He took 12 stones, one for every tribe and he built that altar in the name of the Lord invoking the promise that God gave to Jacob saying Israel shall be your name. This was how many years ago? God told Jacob Israel shall be your name. 
but he is invoking that covenantal promise through this altar. And the fire came. And the fire came. Come with me to First Peter chapter two. Verse four, I think. Is it four? Coming to him as a as to a living stone. Coming to him as to a living stone. So this living stone is talking about Christ. Okay? Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Okay. You also as living stone. See, this is the two pointer that I'm talking about. One points to Christ, the other points to us. As living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If I'm going to tell you, take 12 stones from here and go and build an altar at your backyard, you'll all be happy doing it. Yeah? That is easy to do. But whatever, do like this. Do like this. So what, whatever is outside in the Old Testament is inside in the New Testament. So on the outside, you build the stones in the Old Testament. Now you are the living stones. You are the, sac you are the altar itself. You are the divine portal itself. You are the dimension through which these things can be accessed right now. See, what did Jesus tell uh, to Nathaniel? John 1. Right? John chapter 1. Verse 51. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Which phrase did Jesus include which was not in the original vision of Jacob. Son of man. See, it is not on a Bethel stone anymore. It is going to be upon the son of man. Right here is Beth. Beth is house, El is God. Right here is the house of God. Upon whom you would see the heavens open and angels ascend and descend. Look at somebody and say, you are the divine portal. Or say it like that. You are a divine, not divine portal. You are a spiritual portal. Tell them. You are a spiritual portal. Are angels ascending and descending or demons ascending and descending upon you? Huh? When you go to certain places, when you go to certain villages, when you go to certain tribes, they say, ah, oh, murder is very common here. Adultery is very common here. Drug is very common here. Why? Through a repeated action, a, div, a, a spiritual portal is opened in that place. Through a repeated action. How is your bedroom? What is the repeated action in your bedroom? What is the repeated action in your car? What kind of repeated conversations happen in those places? What kind of portals are you opening up? 
what kind of gates are you opening up open you gates lift up you everlasting doors let the king of glory come in gates everlasting doors spiritual portals how do you open those gates do like this internal right elijah mended the altar repaired the altar repaired the stones you are the living stone so how do we repair the altar right now how do we repair the altar yeah in prayer but where is the work happening in our hearts right where is the work happening in our hearts your heart your subconscious mind is literally the gateway of the spirit realm and the physical realm whatever subconsciously you are believing at the core of your being which is resulting in repeated actions and confessions through your mouth is becoming a gateway of the spiritual whether that is aligned with the demonic or with the angelic is depending on what kind of belief structures you have built these are no small things these are not no small games you know some of you are so quick to talk about suicide huh i'll commit suicide i'll commit suicide just to manipulate your spouse what kind of gates are you opening up what repeated activities are you engaging with in your mind in your heart things like this the work is in the heart see for prayers for for daniel when his prayers where was his prayers hindered in the realm right the angel had to fight with the prince of persia angel had to fight with the prince of persia that is what was the hindrance for daniel's prayer come with me to first peter chapter 3 what is the hindrance for prayer right now i want all the men to read for the verse 37 first peter 37 come on read all men open your mouth and read come on out loud guys husbands likewise dwell with the wife with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered oh you're not fighting with the prince of persia you're fighting with persia right now <laughs> some of you are like for this thing i am willing to go and fight with the prince of persia 
are hindered not by the demonic right now but because of your relational connection with your wife you don't know how to deal with your wife who being a weaker vessel and treat her with honor and you're opening up to the demonic by doing that it is true for wives as well this can't be overstressed this can't be overstressed see he he repaired the altar fire came and licked the stones as well acts chapter 2 we read then where they were praying with one accord what happened hmm when the day of pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole place where they were sitting yeah then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them see here the new covenant stones upon the living stones came the holy spirit the fire of god himself and when it comes and it says do not quench the spirit and do not grieve the holy spirit you go and see the context it is all talking about relational issues this fire has come upon you but you can quench it you can grieve it how do you quench it by grieving the spirit you go and read how do you grieve the spirit by speaking abusive words to people around you that's how you quench not only you quench the fire through those words you open up yourself for nonsense see uh um mark 11 the foundation of word of faith movement for assuredly i say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things that he says will be done he will have whatever he says what a powerful verse he will have whatever he says he will have whatever he says there is this dimension where you can have whatever you say but how is that manifesting go to the next verse therefore i say to you because verse 23 is true therefore i say to you whenever things you ask whatever things you ask when you pray look at some say when you pray believe that you have received them and you will have them so 23 talks about the principle of faith and confession 24 talks about the principle of prayer people usually stop at this verse and just take these two verses and preach no it doesn't stop there and 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 slap somebody and say and and whenever you stand praying that means it is still continuing 
it is not stopping with 24 and whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone except your wife if you have anything against anyone forgive them why 23 and 24 is not working for you after all your prayers after all your confession after all your gymnastics why it's not working when you are struggling with forgiveness there is the hindrance to your prayer you cannot make high priestly prayer see jesus cannot make high priestly prayer if he is struggling to forgive us can't stress the importance of forgiveness and prayer the connection no how many times i have shown you these things talking about the altar what what does jesus say in matthew chapter 5 you know when you come to the altar and you bring your gift and you remember you have an offense against your brother place the gift at the altar and go and fix it and then come don't come to the altar with an offense because these are spiritual things and you are engaging with the spiritual activity of prayer i'm not talking about your petition prayers i'm talking about community shifting nation shifting multidimensional prayers second corinthians chapter 2 actually what happened was in when he wrote first corinthians there was this guy who was doing jiljangjak work in corinthian church one guy was living with his father's wife okay not his mother but a stepmother so he was having sex with his stepmom and people are confronting him the nonsense that he is behaving i don't know what that guy said probably he said i'm a new covenant believer i'm under grace i am the righteousness of god in christ i am righteous i am a spirit what i do in my body doesn't matter i don't know what he said probably he didn't learn things from you guys uh so he was saying those things and he was unrepentant because he was unrepentant paul says hey we have severely warned him but he is not willing to change his behavior he is not willing to receive help so i ask him to be removed from the community and the word he uses in first corinthians 5 is i hand him over to satan do you know being removed from community is being handed over to satan when you are unrepentant that is the method of church discipline that the bible demands that oh okay don't give him the protection of a community because people do nonsense and just because of the protection of the community they just keep moving as if everything is okay but that is only okay when you are willing to receive help and working on your nonsense but if you are justifying your nonsense in some sense and you're like oh what is the big deal i will behave like this i will do like this then you're pushed out of the community 
to be handed over to devil. Which is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, as a heart, as a, you know, as a father, you, you struggle to do that. Paul is struggling to do that, but he is feeling forced to do it because of the unrepentant nature of that guy. Finally, he says, okay, I hand him over to the devil. Don't put him into the community again. And then after a few months, probably, I don't know how many days, um, that guy repents and cries. And he's writing the second epistle right now. While writing the second epistle, he says, hey, I want you guys to forgive that offender and take him back. So when I asked you guys to put him out, you guys were all together in this and put him out. But now I'm asking you guys to be together in forgiving the offender and taking him back in. And the church is struggling. So while the church is struggling to forgive the offender, again Paul writes saying, you know, uh, if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. Mm. Then he says, this punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. Yeah. So that on the contrary, you ought rather forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. So when we come, about, come to know about uh, people's brokenness and its capacity to cause pain within a community, this has to be the heart. Oh, it has caused tremendous pain and grief to us all, but we want to forgive and comfort you to take you in. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Mm. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to test. See how Paul is testing the church. Paul is not testing the church in terms of gifts. Paul is testing the church in their capacity to forgive. He's saying I'm putting you to test whether you are obedient in all things. In so many things you are obedient to what I am saying. But are you obedient in all things? I want to test you. And I am testing you by telling you to ask that, bring that guy in again and treat him as your fellow brother. Ouch. Ah. How can that happen? Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed, look... Read, 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 this, read this thing out loud. How forgiveness works. If indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one, that one guy for your sake in the presence of Christ. In the presence of Christ is where forgiveness is possible. First one. Second one is in the presence of Christ you are forgiven. You don't have the right to pick it up again. In the presence of Christ who forgave us, you have forgiven. So have you forgiven in the presence of Christ? Look at the next verse. Lest Satan should take advantage of us 
for we are not ignorant of his devices this verse is usually called quoted in all spiritual warfare conferences we are not ignorant of you know the devices of satan but look at the context not talking about idol worship not talking about going and binding temples it is talking about you struggling to forgive when you are struggling to forgive you are aprakadi with devil you are inviting all sides of nonsense let satan let satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices so what is his device huh keeping that offense running in your heart oh how can you do this 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 that is the device of the enemy do you want to mend your altar no i will go and take 12 stones and go mend your altar mend your living stone yes it is a sacrifice it is a sacrifice when you do that you are pouring yourself as a sacrifice right that's what 12 to romans 12 2 says right um put verse 1 as well 12:1 hmm i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice so you are the altar in some sense you are the sacrifice in some sense you are the priesthood that is offering the sacrifice in some sense depending on which dimension you're working for you to forgive certain thing it looks like you are being the sacrifice you're pouring yourself out jesus how did he forgive us on the cross by becoming a bloody sacrifice and i say bloody bloody sacrifice Exodus 25 22 is talking about the mercy seat which is the throne and the highest form of altar and it says there i will meet with you i will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which i'll give you in commandment to the children of israel so altar is the place of divine meeting altar is a place of divine meeting there i'll meet with you there i will instruct you they took this altar to wars 
and they won wars because of the presence of this altar. So when you fix your personal altars, when you fix your family altar, and then we come together as a corporate community, then this place becomes a portal. Every move of God, which has hosted a move, has literally physically has become a portal. So much so people who came in that space got healed. Whether there was meetings or anything was happening, they just came to that space. When they crossed that space, they got healed. And people who were hosting the move of God, people like Charles Finney and John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth or anyone for that matter, when they were crossing, people would cry as well, have encounters because they have, stu they have stewarded the presence of God to that extent where they themselves have become the divine portal. So for us to access the things that we are called and invited by God to access as a community, we need to take these things super seriously and work on these things. So for me, fixing our marriage altar is super important. Fixing our sexuality is super important. It's not that we don't have the gospel or the tools, but are you willing to put the necessary effort to get to the bottom of things and fix things from ground up? You should have the humility and you should have the intentionality to do the hard work. When you do that, of course, nothing without the grace of God. The divine grace empowers us to do these things. And when it does, then the altar is ready, the sacrifice is ready, and the fire will come. And when the fire falls, then it destroys all... It, you know, when, when such things happen, it brings people to a point of confrontation. Currently, when the power is not demonstrated, there is no point of confrontation for people. When power is demonstrated, people are confronted to make a choice like Elijah did. Choose which one you want to. The power brings divine confrontation and people are demanded to make a choice. But for that to happen, we need to certain, do certain things from our end and press into these things. Okay, let's all stand. At every altar, the sacrifice is given and there is a covenant, there is a covenantal meal that takes place at the altar. But for us, can you imagine Jesus has given his own body and blood as the covenantal meal? Do you have any idea of what that means? His own body, his own blood has become the covenantal meal in which we are taking part.